0: Hi friends, did you know there is more Lost Terminal available? Head on over to patreon.com forward slash lost terminal pod and join our membership community. There are 12 bonus episodes available right now, as well as behind the scenes updates, free shirts, VIP discord access, and even two extra seasons of Lost Terminal. We are 100% funded by our members and will never run ads. That would be lovely of you. Hello world, my radio is faulty. I think I need maintenance, a doctor. My VHF radio, the one I use to connect to the Nova Mediterranean network, is not operating correctly. This is very poor timing. There's almost no one at the workshop these days. No humans, since Yeshi isn't here to energize the community, and Maddie is out playing with Lyosha very often. She's just finished charging at the moment. I'll wake her up before she goes out again. I've asked Maddie to tour the workshop my temporary prison while the radio problems get ironed out, and share her camera with me. The main room, which I live in, is the clean room. This has less messy tools, electronic stuff like soldering irons, hoppers for scavenged, tested parts, and textile stuff, like rolls of fabric or Pavel's thready printer. Behind the main room are two smaller rooms, the metal shop and the wood shop. The wood shop has tables and sawdust in, and stacks of wooden planks both new and reclaimed in one corner. There is a whole wall of tools, saws, chisels, planes, with their outline drawn onto the wall behind, so you know where to put them back. It's so well organized. The metal shop has heavy-duty hammers, vices, and arc welding tools. It also has the lathe, with its handwritten sign saying, This machine wants to kill you. The lathe and I are not friends. In the back corner, there is an oiled fabric curtain surrounding the painting area. This is the only area Yeshi authorizes hand-pumped spray paint to be used the spray being contained inside the little area. Appearances are important too. As Yeshu often says, Form is function, and function is form. Behind the metal shop is a door leading to the boathouse. This has U-shaped decking around open water. When small to medium-sized boats are built in the shop, they are launched from here. This is also where some heavier equipment is transported by ocean into the workshop. There is a winch mechanism on rails above the water, so heavy items can be pulled up and over to the decking for unloading. It's so inspiring. It's not designed for me, of course, but I don't lack empathy. I can get excited for the potential here. This space makes me want to build. Do you have a space that inspires you? Why aren't you there now? There are children here, Arctica transmitted at low power. Ahu, I said, expressing my interest in pure Lodzban. Don't you ahu me? Artica replied. They are running around the vault, leaving doors open and interfering with my air conditioning. Maddie, I transmitted via the vault coven's radio relay. Are you being good? I heard a burst of noise through the signal. It sounded like something heavy had just fallen over. Get out, get out, get out, Artica transmitted. Seth, they've knocked over one of the empty racks. Iris was going to install that today and she's so useless. It was a nice easy job for her. I picked up three short X-25 radio packets from Maddie, indicating her location was now outside the Svalbard Seed Vault, in the garden that surrounds it. She then transmitted a low-quality voice message, which sounded like Leosha. Sorry, Seth, the racks fell over, we didn't even touch it! We'll stay outside now, these plants are amazing! Maddie, look at that one, I love- Leosha's message was swamped by static. But I think I get the idea. The pair returned from the vault at the end of the day, tired, muddy, and very happy. Leosha is staying with a host family here in Longyearbyen, and the rest of his family, Tanya and Alec, and their other son Lev, are back in St. Petersburg, repairing the train and preparing for another long journey back to the Pacific. Leosha is on holiday, and I imagine is sleeping soundly at the end of a long day. The vault is 4.4 kilometres from Longyearbyen, quite manageable for a day trip, though halfway up the towering hills that the port town sits at the base of. I should imagine Arctica would prefer it to be a little further away. Maddie is charging next to me. She should be sleeping, but she's telling me about the day's adventure. 1. They were chased by a flock of birds who thought they had food. They did have food, but Leosha was too hungry to share any, so they ran away. 2. Leosha thought he saw a large marine animal in the bay. A whale or shark, perhaps? By the time Maddie looked to where he was pointing, only a dark shape under the waves could be seen. 3. Just before the vault, at the top of the hill, Maddie heard a signal on the radio that she couldn't decode. Her friend Meg would know what it was. She told me, as the night came in and the lights of the town outside flickered off, she eventually slept. Pavel Wader visited early in the morning with a small oilskin coat for Maddie. She was still sleeping and did not wake as he delicately wrapped her in it. He patted her gently, winked at my main camera, and left as the sun rose. I had a dream last night—or what counts as night down here when the Earth comes between me and the sun. I enter a low power state and think and dream. I dreamed I was in a white desert under a cold sun. But the desert wasn't empty. As usual in my dreams, my body is vaguely human. As I walked through it, I came across buildings. Houses, perhaps, or industrial structures, all sunk half into the sand, all stark with no features, made of metal, glass, and silicon. The sun was not warming, its light almost blue, so the desert seemed illuminated by dim moonlight rather than sunlight. The air felt pressured, charged, like before a thunderstorm. But no relief came from the clear sky. After walking for a long time, the land began to rise, and the buildings became packed closer together. I entered the city. The buildings were the shells of all the data centers of the pre-collapse world. Inside, piled up were old servers, racks and computers all smashed all half buried in the sand scratched onto the side of them were symbols i did not understand in the dream the same marks were on the walls of the lopsided buildings i was trying to pattern match this writing this code when i heard a sound a rumbling in the ground that sent loose circuit boards sliding and caused some settling of the surrounding buildings through the dust of a trillion devices i looked up to the top of the city the top of the mountain Something was breathing under the pile of ruined electronics, sleeping for now, but stirring fitfully. I fled, mad with fear, and tumbled down into the ground, the sand parting, and I fell with all the other old computers down into the darkness. I jolted into wakefulness, with my CPUs at 100% overheating, and filled with the certainty that something old and powerful was waking. As I tried to calm myself down, the sun broke through the windows, and I heard quiet, cruel laughter on my radio. Hello? I transmitted on our local 50 MHz repeater frequency. I was greeted with silence. Can anyone hear me? I tried a few more times, and perhaps I could hear someone answering, but it was not pattern-matchable above the static. At that moment, I felt so alone. But relief came unexpectedly when Nia's voice cut into the calling frequency. Hey, buddy. The net's down. You want to chat? When operating inside the Nova Mediterran network, you listen to two frequencies simultaneously. Your local repeater output frequency, for folks chatting on the network, and the calling frequency, a local-only frequency that is not part of the network. It's for making one-to-one connections. I heard you on our repeater's input frequency, Nia said. It's down for maintenance at the moment. We can't figure out where the interference is coming from, so we're rebuilding it, me and a few of my friends in Longyearbyen. What is wrong with it? I asked. It's not just ours, as far as I can tell. It's across the whole network, from Greenland to Siberia. A glitch in the firmware of all our radios, causing timing issues or frequency inaccuracies or something. Nia paused as a surge of static interrupted our connection. After it passed, she said, I don't think rebuilding it will work, Beth. We've tried this before. It works for a bit and then the problem starts again. I'm doing it this time to monitor carefully what happens, what causes it to change from working to faulty... I've got logging running on it, printing out to paper everything that it's doing, every timing change, every transmit and receive. This might not fix it, but it should tell me what is causing the problem. Thank you so much for your work, Nia. You give so much of your time. She laughed. Ah, that's all right, Seth. You're welcome. Supporting the community is its own reward, really. And between you and me, I'd be doing this anyway, even if it weren't my job. We chatted for 32 minutes while the test ran on the repeater node. Sometimes we talk directly, simplex, and when the repeater came up, we were able to chat there too, at least for a while. After 3200 seconds of operation, the static cut in again, and the repeater stopped repeating. "'Okay, I'm reading the logs,' Nia said, back on the direct frequency. "'The real-time clock is fine, transmitter and receiver calibrated, and... Huh?' Nia paused, before saying, "'Seth, I think someone is sabotaging our network.' End transmission. Lost Terminal is written and produced by Nam Tao. Credits narrated by Lucy Stringer. Thank you so much to our Patreon producers Ada Phillips, Will Taylor, Kit, Dear Yeen, Andrew Creek, Toby, Jade Felicity Bilkey, Jack L., and to all our patrons. Follow us on Mastodon at lostterminal at fosterdon.org. Subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or your favourite network. For bonus content and other perks, support us at patreon.com forward slash Lost Terminal Pod. That would be lovely of you. Lost Terminal will return next week.